0: you're going to change. Have you, have you ever heard that? Can you, can you imagine that? So imagine God hitting you. Imagine Jesus coming over you. You're going to change. Okay, so revival is this idea that we're welcoming God. We say, God, we want all of you. We are hungry not for just for a goosebumps experience. We are hungry for the fullness, for your holiness, we are hungry for your love, for your kindness, for your mercy. We are hungry for all of that. And then when God, when we make those that call unto heaven, He comes and He changes us. But we know it shouldn't only remain within the four walls of, this, of the church, of this building. It should go out there. So reformation then is the idea that wherever we go, that we will reform our sphere of influence. That if you go out here, you're going to change your business, you're going to change your school, you're going to change the university, you're going to change your family. Because when Jesus walks into a room, everything changes. And what God is wanting for us to do is just to be vessels and carriers of His, of His glory. So I want you to quickly have a look at, the at, uh, according to Luke, my famous or infamous triangle. So, if you've been to a Ken those of you who just recently joined, you would, you would remember this. And um, this comes from me just having a conversation about church with God. Say, God, what do, you, what do you want us to do in church? What are the, the main priorities of church? And then I felt God saying, there's a, the most important thing, the thing that we need to facilitate is. The presence of God so that people will have encounters with God. So think of Saul becoming Paul. We want to facilitate those moments. We want somebody walking in here with an AK-47 trying to kill all of us, being hit by the train Jesus Christ, and he must walk out of here because that, that was who Paul was when he was Saul. And walk out of here and then preach the gospel and people's lives seeing change. So we go for that. That's why sometimes in church you will feel a little uncomfortable in the way that we express our worship to Jesus. Because he is really everything. He is the one who builds this church. He is the one who keeps it intact. And he is the one that's going to send us and equip us. It's all about Jesus. And if you ever find this church that we're not all about Jesus, please come to us so that we can repent and we can bring it back to the the core of what the body of Christ should be, and that's all about Jesus. It's all about ministering and worshiping God so that He can change our lives, so that we can change other people's lives. And the second one that's also very important is that God is a community in Himself. It's God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we are created in, in His image. Therefore, we long for community. You cannot do this on your own. There's a reason why people are sitting in this room. And, and probably one of the reasons is because they long for community. We all long for family. We want to do this together. So to belong in a community is really important. Jesus made the disciples belong to a small community of 12 disciples before he sent them out. Before he told them, hey, now change the world. Often we want to say, hey, now you go and, and change the world before we've created a, a family, before we created a, a, a loving environment. But we want to be in an environment where people feel the sense of belonging. And then also it's important that we have a purpose because we can have crazy encounters with the Lord. We can have an amazing experience in, in worship, but we need to have a purpose. And if you read the Bible, the purpose is twofold. The purpose is to make disciples. In other words, I need to find people that I can invest in and I need to work with them and follow and ask them to follow me as I follow Jesus. That is, that is the great call, to make disciples. So who are you discipling? Who are you investing yourself into? Who are you showing the two steps that you've taken? Who are you showing those two steps to, and who are you taking along in this journey with Christ? And then also to serve. We as Christians should be the people that are willing to do anything. There's no task too small to, to, to do for Christians. We should be the leaders when it comes to cleaning toilets. We should be the leaders when it comes to doing the dishes or cleaning up afterwards. That is, that is what we are called to do, and that's what Jesus came to do. And... Um, I want to focus on the purpose, um, the purpose point or mandate that God has given us, and I want to bring it from a context of encountering God. But before we do that, I want you to to listen to a testimony of a 10-year-old of what she experienced uh, two weeks ago on a Saturday night at our, at our camp. So we had a... We had a prophetic word on the Wednesday before the camp saying, hey, um, God's going to do something through the kids. And I was thinking, I don't know if, if the kids are actually going to be at the, at the evening, at the Saturday evening, because that's usually when we allow more of the Holy Spirit to move and ask God to encounter people. But listen to this, listen to this testimony. This, this girl is 10 years old, and her name is Shanna Joy.
1: Saturday night, when they asked, um, so if you want more of the Holy Spirit, you can come forward. So then I was just like, okay, so I'm just going to go forward. Nothing big is going to happen. So then I went forward and um, we had to stand in the line. And then I was one of the people standing in the line. So then when um, I just started praying, then I started to cry. And then my friend next to me, she started like, she just fainted and I was like, so that's not gonna happen to me, hopefully. And then I was just continuing to cry and while I was going through the prayer and then finally we were done with the prayer um, and then I just went on my knees and I thought, I started to thank God for everything. And I was just like, thank you, God, that we are in a church. Thank you, God, that I'm in a school. Thank you that I have family and thank you for everything. And then I just started, um to stop crying and then I went to go sit down. And then I just started, my dad came to me and then I just started to laugh. And he was like, so you can laugh, you can do anything you want. And I just started to laugh and I couldn't stop laughing. And then I went to my friend and I was like, I can't stop laughing. And then at the, we were laughing, We were like literally laughing together because it was like so funny how what god is doing and this one girl she's like don't try to prevent it just let it go just let it like you can do it it's fine people gonna think you're crazy but it's fine so then we just carried on laughing and it was really fun so i just want to thank god for everything it felt like um, i was just more happier and like all the stress was gone. So like I didn't have to worry about anything. Normally like when it's a test at my school, I normally like I'm really nervous, but like we had a test today and it was really easy. Like I did not stress. And when I got my books back, I was like surprised with my marks because normally I would get like more than three wrong or three wrong. and. Today, I just got two and one wrong. And I was like, yes, thank you, God. And it was just like, um, God told me that He loves everyone. He wouldn't want to hurt anyone. And He just loves everyone equally. And He loves all of us. And that's why He created us. It's like much more easier to talk about Jesus now. And it's just like, you don't have to worry about anything. And, like, when I pray for people, it's just, like, more comfortable and more nice. It just, like, fe- feels like Jesus is, like, just in me. And that's, like, I can't even describe it. That's how nice it is.
0: Great story. I know, I know Shanna, because she's a friend of my, my little daughter, and she's actually very shy. And those of you who were at the camp, they were the girls going... Crazy year on the left side. Just they just asked for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit came over them, and they experienced an inexpressible joy. It was actually a little bit of a nuisance at a, at a stage, <laughs> but then I realized this is what the Lord's doing, and this is the prophetic word coming into coming into fulfillment. So the reason why I share this is because I want to talk about us really going beyond the four walls of this church to reform our society. At the end of that meeting where they had that encounter with the Lord, I asked everybody, who of you have a sense that you are now more equipped and you feel like a sense of boldness to take the message out to your friends or to your community? And there were three girls, so it was Abby, Shanna, Joy, and Marae. Mar- Marae is also Murray's is eleven years old, and Abby is fifteen years old. And all of them's just yeah, yeah, wee, oui, we. Oui. Why? Because they had an encounter with the Lord. So I'm gonna I'm gonna share something in the next ten minutes. It's gonna be very, very challenging, but. But if you take it within the context of you needing to have that encounter with the Lord before you're actually equipped to do this, and you are willing to cry out to the Lord for what they cry out to the Lord for, you're going to understand that this is going to change you. It's going to be the greatest adventure ever. But it's so important that us as a church, we understand to what God has called us. First to Him, but then He sends us out. So I want you to Open up your Bibles, Acts 8, and then I want you to turn around to the people behind you, form groups of, of three or four, and then one person just read the first eight verses of Acts 8, okay? So if you don't have the Bible here, next time bring your Bible. It's so important that, this, that you bring your sword to, to the church, and if you have a phone, take out your phone. But let's mingle a little, okay? So you need to turn to people behind you or in front of you, not only your friends. Okay, so once you're finished, just high-five the people in your group so that I know that you're finished. Okay, great. I think you guys are clever. You'd have been able to read eight verses by now. Great. So you can turn around your chairs. Some of you went for the whole chapter, and it's great. I love that you have a, a hunger for the Word. Okay, so this chapter is about a persecution that that happened in Jerusalem. and And we see that people were scattered. Those of you at the camp, the word that I used, the Greek word that we also printed on some and some fridge magnets. It's Dia diaspeirua, which means that they were scattered. And then we see in verse 4 that they were scattered. And as they scattered among the people beyond Jerusalem, in other words, beyond where they thought they sh- should be, they actually started preaching the word. And we see that Philip, who, who in Acts 6 was appointed to look after the widows. In other words, he was just the guy looking after the poor people in church. He then preaches the word, and we see miracles happening. Okay, so why is this, why is this important? It is important because we know that in Acts 1 verse 8, Jesus commanded his disciples to wait on the Holy Spirit so that they will receive power, so that they will be witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but in Judea, Samaria, and also to the ends of the earth. They had a mandate before Acts 8 to actually go beyond their comfort zone. They were always called beyond their comfort zone. But for some reason, they remained in Jerusalem. And I think it's, that is the reason why God allowed them to be persecuted so that through the persecution, they will be scattered so that His good message, because gospel is good news, by the way, so that that Good message could be preached to everybody, not only to the Jews in Jerusalem. And the reason why I sense this is such an important thing for us is because of a few weeks ago, actually end of um, beginning of December, we had a, a meeting with a few pastors and some leaders, and we were just we were just discussing on what should we do with the Bethel team that's going to come. They send 50 students every year, so usually we do a civic center worship. We get them into churches. They do a few activation exercises in the prophetic and in healing and all of that. And then we said, hey, but Lord, what do you want us to do this year as as a capital C church in George? And then we prayed about it, and then I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me, Omo, this is a Stephen moment. It's a Stephen moment. And I went to, to Acts 7 and read through Acts 7 and then got to Acts 8. And then I, I saw that the persecution happened and then they were scattered. And I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me that we should challenge the church to scatter. In other words, to go. That we can do this and we will be have great services, and we'll even have people healed of, of pressure in their ears. But our mandate is to go beyond these four walls. So I want to ask two questions tonight. Because there's an urgency in the spirit for us to scatter, to go. And if we don't go, then there will be some form of persecution. Now, I've just prayed about it and I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to say that it is going to be a persecution not where we get killed because we are Christians, but it's going to be a revolt among the poor communities. Because if you've read the newspapers recently, we are the most unequal society in the world. That's what like, research is showing. Unequal. In other words, the poor is very poor, but we also have very rich, but there's a big gap in between. So there, it's not a problem that we have very rich people in South Africa, it's a problem that the gap, there's a big gap. In other words, the people that have the resources are not in contact with the people that need the resources. And there's not a flow of relationship, there's not a flow of investment into the poor community. So there's an urgency. We need to do this. As a church, we need to lead in this way. So I want to ask you two questions tonight. The one is, where am I already? Where are you already? And to take that seriously. And that that is a that is a question that all of us should ask ourselves. So in other words, where is my sphere of influence already? Okay, so now you can say, hey, I'm, a, I'm at school. I have friends. Hey, my family. We have somebody that helps us at our house. We have somebody that comes in to, lo- to mow our lawn. We have a, a lady that works for us, and she has a child, and he is grade two. And as you go on, as you ask that question, and maybe you're in a business, you're involved in the business, and you have a few employees, and you have some service providers, and then you have a wife, and she has friends, and she's part of the running club, and you're part of the surfing club, and suddenly you realize you already have influence. But the question is, are you scattering yourself to actually bring the good news of God to these people. Do we, do we really care for these people enough to bring the good news of who God is, of what He wants to do to these people? Do we love them? And I've been challenged by that. Do I love the lady that works for us in our house? Do I love the guy who mows our lawn? Do I love the people that are running with my wife that needs the Lord? Do I love them? So that's the first question. And if you can only ask, start asking that question, that would be a good question. And then the second question that you need to ask yourself is, where is God calling you? Because maybe it could be that you are resisting the call of God on your life because you love the comfort of where you are at. And this could be George, because George is a pretty town. Nobody is going to go to... Secunda, or to Beaufort Vess, or wherever, because now God has called us to the, to the plains of Beaufort Vess. But a lot of people come to George, and God has called us to the beautiful Garden of Eden of George, and to serve and to enjoy nature. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying you've heard wrong, if you've heard those, those words, please come, we need People to pray and invest in this city, especially if you can hear the voice of the voice of the Lord. But what is God telling you? Where is God sending you? Okay. So those questions I want you to grapple with in your quiet time. Because I can now we can do altar call and we can pray for people and we can send out people, but you need to grapple with those questions on your own. Who are the people that's already part of my influence? But then, Lord, okay, Lord, maybe show me where am I living in my comfort zone. It'd be great if God now calls you and says, hey, you need to go back to some place. Hey, I'm sending you to a nation in Africa. Because there's so many, so many churches, for instance, in Georgia already. I just met a Swiss couple. They're sitting there at the back sometime, and they said they They were looking on the internet, looking for a church to visit. And they're like, wow, there's so many churches in George. And in Switzerland, we don't have many churches. So maybe you've, you've been called to Switzerland. Okay, so I want you to grapple during the week with those two questions. Where am I and where am I supposed to be? And then you trust the Lord that He gives you insight into just using that influence and scattering yourself and scattering the Word of God among those people in that sphere of influence. Amen. Great. So I'm going to call Luke forward. So this was the sending part. Now we're going to, in a way, give thanks to what God has done in our, in our midst um, because we, we need a platform from where to launch. So, so Luke's just going to facilitate some communion
2: Fantastic! Before we get to communion, thank you, Armor. Let's give Amol a round of applause. Um, I really love the fact that you you honoured Paul, the previous pastor, because when I was thinking of of uh, tonight uh, and this morning, we did the same thing this morning. What God really highlighted to me was that if we want to move forward with what God is doing, we need to we need to take a step back, look at what God has done, look at what has come before us. And in a way, it's it's difficult to expect the things of God when we cannot acknowledge where we've come from. Um, we, Amor and I, did not plant this church. Uh, Paul Brevere did. And, and in a way, the, the Bible says that one man sows and another man reaps. We, we although we, we, you know, we look... We look good, and we've got some lights on stage, and we've got a cool band. and But it would be a mistake to take the credit for that and not honor the people that have come before. So they made us look good. One of those people that make us look very, very good is Renelle. She runs the intercession team. Um, and I've asked her to share a bit of a test. She's been in the church since 2011. Um, So, just a year after they planted, let's give her a round of applause.
3: Thanks, Luke. Right, before I came here, I was in Swellendam and very happy in the church I was at. I felt very well fed. I was very comfortable. And I was actually very anxious about coming to George, and it was all about a spiritual family, and I asked the Lord, so what am I going to do here, you know, what?" I was, it, really, it was really a problem for me. And then one day, um, we were in a church service, and suddenly I saw in the Spirit, we were a very small church, so ch- chairs weren't like this, but I saw this church, like now, lots of chairs, like, behind each other, and then suddenly I saw a lot, a lot of big trees. Big trees. Now, if you think of Psalm 1, um, the psalms talk about us as being trees planted next to a river of living water. So big trees, mature people, leaders, people who are, give shadow and fruit for many others. Right, so I was comforted. But then I moved to George, and then um, it took me a few months to get into the thing. And then by about February, March, the first time I came into a service here during worship, the first service here, worship. I saw in the Spirit, like in the throne room, elders falling down and putting their thrones down on the ground, like in Revelations. And I thought, if this is what is going to happen in this house, in the Spirit, this is how we're going to come into the presence of God. I want to be here. I want to be part of this. So I knew I'm supposed to be here. The next service I came, I saw what... This church, what will be happen to this church in the spirit, the season that this church is in, and I think the season hasn't passed for us yet. I saw that uh, we were like a fruit tree, but man, that fruit tree had buds and flowers, full flowers and little fruit and ripe fruit and everything. It was like growing and bearing fruit and everything at the same time like mad. It was like, man, this was a processing tree, and I, could, I just knew, you know, it was, it's just amazing. It's just something to look forward to of what is going, God is going to do in this house. Now, I didn't say it this morning, but Amu, when Amu was put into this church that morning, when Paul Brewer handed the church over to Amu, I saw in the spirit that Amu is like a diamond set in a ring. It's like a covenant, and he is like a jewel of beauty and purity, and he is going to add value, amazing value. So I just knew the amazing worth of this. I just want to honor you, Amu, and Luke, for you too, for the work you've done in this house. It's just amazing. And then last year, I think... um, I wait on the Lord a lot, and then this one morning earlier, I waited on the Lord and I asked Him, "Where is the church at? What is happening to the church? What's what's what? And oh, what does He want to do?" I saw again a huge tree, but this is really a huge tree, and it was like a door into the tree. Just bear with me. I went into the tree, and inside was the church, but it was huge. There's no walls. There's no limit. There's no um, boundary. There's no limit to what we can do and who should come in and be part of what we are doing. And I saw that the floor of that, uh, the church was glass. Glass is always representative of a revelation. Nee? So for us to see and experience God's presence. And the other thing was, it was like the roof was open. It's like windows of heaven was just open. And again, it is for Holy Spirit and the revelation, just for us to experience that, that fullness. So there's no limit on what we can experience and what we build in this house. So, yeah, it's just amazing, and it's something to look forward to. Yeah. Enjoy.
2: Awesome. Um, just while I'm talking, the ushers, you can start handing out the communion. Um, Like like, like I said before, it's it's very important to honor what has come before, and I honestly think one of the reasons why we are so successful is not not because we do anything special, but simply because we give thanks to God for what has come before. Um, I love the way Omo honors Paul or honors his heritage coming out of the Engia Church. Um, We as Christians should thank the NG Church for better or for worse. They are the foundation of Christianity in this country. All right? Think about that. Next time you want to rip off the, the NG Church. Yeah? But it's really important to honor what has come before. Right? And thank God for what is moving, what, where he is moving us to. And um, if, we can, uh, if we can encapsulate a person for who, where we want to move to. Um, there is one lady who I believe in, in, uh, encapsulates that. She's, she's a prayer warrior. She's feisty. She's got a lot of character. She's like the mother of this church, Boozy. Can you come up? She's also going to share a little bit... This is another prayer warrior. So if you want to learn how to pray, go hang out with Ronell and Buzi on a Monday morning. Hop us five, they're praying here every morning for this church. Please join them.
4: Amen. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, when I came to Shofar two years ago, this is my third year, Um, two things I looked for. There was a church that's bearing fruit and a church where the Holy Spirit is welcome. So my first service here, we were greeted by Amo with a big smile. (laughs) If you still remember that to this day. (laughs) And what continued is when we we ushered into the foyer. People came up, asked us who we were, where we were from, how can they help us. It was, I've never seen a church like that. So I was overwhelmed. We went to a Ken Mekar two days later, where we were told, like Amor Shed. And after the Ken Mekar, And Amar came chasing after us and said, do you guys actually have a lift? We said, no. Says, I'm your lift from today onwards. So for me, it was like, wow, Lord. I know I asked for a church that's bearing fruit, but I didn't expect things to fall in place like instantly. So for me, this church, what they say is what they do which for me is always a plus, and I want to honor Luke Amon and the rest of the brethren. It's not about management. It's about every single person sitting here. People make an effort to say hello, to greet. That's for me. It might be just what I need for that day. People make an effort to notice you, to show you that they love you. There is not a single day that has gone by where I felt alone. KZN is far. (laughs) And I've got no family in this town. So this has been truly a family away from family for me. And the testimonies I always share with my family, it always leaves them green with envy, like why can't we also migrate to that part of town and become a part of this community? So my challenge to the rest of us is let us also be intentional to love, to serve like we have received. And those amongst us here who might be feeling lonely, please speak to me at the back and then we will connect you with people in the community who will walk this journey with you. You, sh- you cannot walk this journey alone. Amen.
2: She didn't mention that she first came to the Afrikaans service. But Amos' smile was so big, she stayed anyway. She couldn't focus on the sermon. It was just that smile. (laughs) Fantastic. Let's stand together. Band, if you can come up front. So... um, When I was was, uh, praying about doing the communion today, um, I asked Almo two weeks ago, I said, hey, Almo, we do communion first Sunday of the month. Yes, I need to do communion then. And he tried to steal it away from me this week, and I fought him off. (laughs) Um, I really felt God saying that he needs to highlight three things today, and I'm going to talk about three things when it comes to communion. And... uh, Number one, you're holding a little thing of juice and it represents the blood of Jesus and that blood is amazing and, and you will know that that, that blood um, is, um, does an amazing thing. It, it, it washes you clean. Um, it, it, everything that you have done or will do, it pays for it. Everything that, that makes up the the past self, it pays for that, and what is left is a new creation, glorious new creation. But there's there's a different there's another part to the blood as well, and uh, Jesus sort of hints at it uh, when he's having last supper with his disciples, and the scripture says that he takes up a, a, a cup and he says to the disciples, "This is my blood, which is." Poured out for you, and what he's referring to is a um, an institution that that Abraham uh, he first established. And what Abraham did is he he made an altar, and then he took various different drinks, meat drinks, and wine and things like that, and he poured it around the altar. Um, uh, in, in, this, in this drink offering ceremony and what he was doing was he was consecrating this altar for the purpose of sacrifice. Um, cause, and before that it was just a pile of rocks. After that it was a place worthy to receive sacrifice unto God. And, and so when Jesus comes he says this is my blood poured out for you. He's referring to this, this uh, drink offering. And so it's not just something that, that wipes you clean and pays for your passings. Those things are very important, but it's not just that. It goes a little bit beyond. See, it prepares you for sacrifice. It, it prepares you to be a place upon which the sacrifices of God will be pleasing unto Him. Are you with me? And then that leads way to that second part, that little piece of bread and Jesus does another thing. He doesn't just hand out bread. He breaks it. That's very significant. And there's something that we have to understand. Um, we are meant to be scattered. There's a season to be gathered. There's a season to, be, to come under one roof. But then there's also a season to scatter. And it's going to cost something. And we need to accept right here and right now, we need to go count that cost. We have to be willing to lay down our comfort for this thing. If you want it, if you want the communities to change, if you want to the, the poor to prosper, if you want the sick to be healed, you have to accept that it's going to cost you something. And when you eat of that, that's what you're accepting. When you drink of that, that's what you're accepting. So be careful if you drink and you eat. Be careful. But the third thing is really cool, and this is what I want to focus on specifically for today. The third thing is that when Jesus broke bread and drank wine with the disciples, it was together. With a bunch of people around a dinner table. And uh, if you were there this morning, we ate together. And it's the best context in which to do communion. So now, you know, maybe in the past you're holding these things and it's always a thing between you and God, which is very true, but it's half the story. It's, it's as, as Omar was describing earlier, it's that, that triangle. It's It's first you and God, but then it's with a group of people, right? And it's with you and God, with this group of people, we move out. And so what I want to do, I want to do communion a bit differently. I want you to break off into groups of five or six. Um, If you're with your family, I'd prefer you to do it with your family. Um, Or if you're with your cell group, do it with your small group. Um, I want you to break off into groups of five and six. And I want you to do communion together. I want one person to take charge. And I want you to pray over the communal elements. And I want you to do it together. Okay? And then what we're practicing, we're going to be doing that on Wednesday. So I really, I want to invite you to come join us on Wednesday for a small group in this building. We're going to be joining the worship team for, for worship uh, on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And then we're going to break away and go do our own thing. But if you are part of a small group, if you're not part of a small group, if you're here tonight, I want to invite you to join us on Wednesday at 7 o'clock in this building. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. And we're going to be discussing how are we together going to be counting this cost so that the captives may be set free, that the sick may be healed, that the demons will be cast out. Amen? great. Get into those groups of five or six with your small group, with your family. Do communion together. Awesome. Let's pray together. Yes, Jesus, I just want to thank you for for what you've done for us and what you've, you've laid on the line for us. The fact that you were beaten and broken. The fact that your blood flowed so that we might have freedom in you, Jesus Christ. And thank you like that song says, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. And that name was made powerful on the cross when it defeated death, when it paid the ultimate price. And Father, we just want to thank you for that sacrifice, for that ultimate display of love. Father, give us the grace to have the courage to show that same love to other people. And Father, we just want to come and repent where we've wanted to show love to people, but we don't, want to, we don't want to pay a price for that love. We still want to go home and watch our TV and play our Xbox. And... <laughs> Is there anything wrong with that? But Lord Jesus... There's got to to come a point, and I believe that you're moving us towards that, where we're going to have to start choosing between our comfort and the life and salvation of the people around us. Father, where we're not anxious about family coming to visit, but we're excited about family to come visit, that we might share the gospel of God. Where we're not anxious about running to people, running into people. In the streets, but we are excited and we're expecting for God to move when we meet someone in the supermarket or our workplace, Lord Father God. Forgive us, Lord Father God, where we've hung on to our own comfort. But I just sense in this room that there's so many people that are really pumped up and hungry for something more. I just I just feel in my spirit that that there's a time and I think, it's, I think it's really soon upon us where people are like, enough is enough. We need to get into our communities. We cannot turn a blind eye anymore. Enough is enough. It will come here and no further. It will stop by me. I will stand against oppression. I will stand against poverty. I will stand against injustice. I will stand against corruption. And my children, will never know these things in the name of Jesus.